can't judge a person and it turns out you didn't have the whole story? Ever learn there was a lot more to that story than you first realized? I'm Kimberly. And I'm Rebecca. Join us as we separate the little lies from the big reputations. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Oh. How was your last two weeks since we... Oh, I'm just kidding. We recorded all of this in the same day. <laughs> As I say, let's talk about my vacation. What did I do? By the time this comes out, um, I would have gone to North Carolina and Virginia mm-hmm. and seen Janet Jackson and Ludacris perform. Oh, and I went to a surprise party for my sister-in-law's birthday. Oh, my God. Imagine like this. Somehow you release this early and she listens and she's like, wait, what? What surprise party? I know she doesn't listen because she's like, what's the podcast? Listen, I it's weird to me when people are like that. They're like, but she also has like a three minute commute. So like she she works at a middle school that's like right down the street from where I she lives. Guess. I, I'm trying to think of when did I first start listening to podcasts and was it commute based? Maybe. I definitely listen to them more on my commute, but like I also listen like while I'm cooking and like everything now is like audible for me. Like all my yeah. books are audiobooks, like Yeah, I know her I'm life and, and I forgive her. Like yeah, she, she's the one person that like gets a free pass from uh-huh. me. <laughs> I have people who don't listen that should listen because they listen to podcasts and they're just like, Oh, you have a podcast? How's that going? You would know if you listen to it. Yeah. You should listen to it. We work hard. We do. And that's why we're recording these episodes in April, even though they're coming out in May. Because we can't leave you hanging. Right. Just because I'm gallivanting across the States. (laughs) I can't just leave you hanging without any any podcast to listen to. Exactly. We got we got this. And, And it's really great for me too, like having all the episodes in advance, if I can edit them and send them to our sound guy. Mm hmm. Without giving him more than like a day and a half's notice. Yeah. <laughs> he likes that. Also, you need the time to edit out all my flubs and weird mouth sound noises. You're not the only one. I promise. It, I'm definitely in there too. We should. No, we shouldn't. It's a bad <laughs> idea. Let's see. We should just release like an unedited one one day. It's going to be four episodes. Unsubscribe. Long, right? Unsubscribe. That's going to be the one that like. People are like, you know, I've never listened to their podcast before, but let me check out this unedited one. And they're going to be like, oh, what is all of that? <laughs> so much burping. So much popping of peas. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. So you've had a good trip. I've had a good trip. It's the... I had a good birthday. Yes. I had a, a good sister-in-law's birthday. There's My birthday hasn't happened. happened yet in this world. No. I mean, in, in either world, it hasn't happened yet. It'll have happened by the next episode, though. I don't know what I want to do yet. I think I want to do brunch, but like I always want to do brunch, but I was like, what can I make people do? Cause it's like my birthday and I can be like, I want to do this, but also I'm not that person. But I've like yeah. recently been out for people's like events that I'm like, how much, what time? I, I guess it's your birthday, but I'm like, I not. do appreciate that as much as I enjoyed doing karaoke with you all those years oh that God. you stopped doing the like 11 p.m. start time karaoke. I just the, oh, can't. <laughs> it was it was like a free karaoke. And the bar that we went to, 
also it was like in my neighborhood so it was easier for me yeah but for like, you. you could rent out you could rent out like this space in the middle of this room where you could like have all the seats but their karaoke started at 11 p.m so like you had to wait till 11 and the last time i would still be doing it if it weren't for the last time we went the dj like sucked and like skipped over so many of our requests and by the time like people's names got called it was like 1 a.m and everyone was gone and it was yeah. like well I guess we should go too. But yeah, there was another place on my 30th birthday. There was a place we went to called Cobra Club, which was really cool. But like, yeah, I see they post videos now about their karaoke. And I was like, that starts at 11. I did things at 11. Like, that's nuts to me. There's a new bar in my neighborhood that does um, trivia on Tuesdays. I want to try it. It's not karaoke. It's not the same. But like, it's still like, like that going out and making the bar more than just a place to have the beer it's like mm-hmm. a place to like have a game and do some fun stuff nighthawk does like a tuesday trivia and it's hosted by i don't know her know her but i like her um it's this woman who like does movie things and she used to work at like a bunch of other movie themed things mm-hmm. so like i knew her like mostly on instagram and like letterbox but she's like very fucking cool and she hosts it and i'm just like oh, nighthawk is like so far away from me it's, your, night- it's your nighthawk okay. yeah and i think it's tuesdays i'd go to that i think i just need to make make the push like i think it's at like eight but like i work that day so i'm already out so you know what let's do it let's do a tuesday thing i'd even go to that trivia thing that you're talking about if okay. it's not yeah i don't late. remember what time it was yeah. but um because like i work on tuesdays i have to leave the house on tuesday it's anyway a cute little new bar it's what's got it like a on the spot what's it called um <laughs> it's so cute it, name all the beers they have <laughs> brew brew something it's called and it's got a gnome for a brucella <laughs> what if it was called brucella what if there's a bar called brucella if you own a bar called brucella please send me a t-shirt <laughs> i love that so much we will give you a shout out in our episode we've already have send yes. us the check for the advertising <laughs> yeah oh and also another reason we're kind of doing these recordings early is because my semester ends in may did i talk about that in the last episode i can't remember even though it was only an hour ago i'm like i don't know that was like three weeks ago rebecca (laughs) it's not though um by the time this one comes out we're just going into final exams our stuff doesn't end until like the 24th or 25th yeah um so i'll be in the midst of grading finals in this coming week making sure you get your grades in on time i always do i am i promise to the registrar's gods that I do that. <laughs> I remember when I like first started doing my job and I had professors calling and this one, she irked me so bad. Classes ended like, like her it's 24 hours after the final is when the grade roster is open for us. And it's like your final is whatever day your final is. And she was like, well, my final I gave early because I'm going on vacation. Like I'm in an airport right now. And I was like, well, your final is listed as like, say it's listed as May 25th. And it was like May 24th. And I was like, your roster doesn't open until tomorrow. And she's like, well, I'm getting on a plane. So like someone needs to enter those grades. And I was like, you, you need to enter those grades. And she was like, well, I'm not going to be here. And I was like, you need to call someone in your department to have those grades entered because are you crazy? Like there's about probably 40 kids. We're not allowed to give them early. It's very much like, and and the students are like, they get an email Mm -hmm. that goes out to them that says like, so they can do like report them. Yeah. If they're giving that final exam early. I wonder what the, but if she had a project, she might've been able to finagle it as not a final. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know, but I just like, you, 
could hear airport sounds. And I was just like, is she crazy? And then I remember I talked to you and you were like, I always enter my grades. And I was like, and you better, you better. (laughs) Because then you have a kid who's like, I'm about to graduate, but my final grades are missing. What do I do? And I'm like, your professor is in like Prague. I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah. And it's just this internal, like as the registrar's office, you could see like both sides and it's like, holy crap. Someone needs to do something, but I can't do anything because I'm just the record keeper. I don't make any decisions. I'm so sorry. Don't be sorry. Yes. But it's not your I, job. No. But I hope that the end of your semester is super, super smooth. Yeah, I hope so. I, my fingers are crossed. Um, it's my last semester as a part-timer. Woo-woo. So that'll be cool. Um, That'll, it'll be fun to see what my timeline looks like next semester in turn. Well, I guess I did four classes last semester and we still managed to get our notes done. So yeah. we should be good. We got this. We got this. We will continue to do our real big reputations and our fictional big reputations, which is what we've got up today. A fictional one. A fictional one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Today we're going to be discussing the literary character Waverly Jong. She's from the book and the film The Joy Luck Club. We'll talk about how she was seen by her mother and other women in the book. We will then dive into how audiences reacted to Waverly's conflicts and relationships, both good and bad. Lastly, we'll analyze Waverly's motivations and dig into her relationship with her mother and how it affects her outlook on life. The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan was published in 1989. It earns praises for its portrayal of the relationships between Chinese-American mothers and their daughters. It also received criticism for perpetuating racist stereotypes about Asian-Americans and for depicting Chinese culture as backwards, cruel, and misogynistic. One Chinese-American author, Frank Chin, claimed that the popularity of the book was because the racist stereotypes were easily accepted by mainstream U.S. audiences. Another writer, Alan Song, stated, while the women are fully fleshed out characters, the male characters are merely additions to a long list of negative images of Asian men in our culture. So we heard this with The Color Purple as well, but the book is not about men. So I personally don't care about their feelings here. This book was written by a woman about women. It would be weird if Amy Tan spent a lot of time dipping into like the men's motivations. I love this because, you know, I had written this per section of the notes and and Kim added this comment in and then she's like, and then I kept reading and you said the same thing because my reaction was, I'm sorry, Alan, this story isn't about men. They're definitely just side characters in this novel. As we're playing into negative stereotypes, like that I can't speak to, right? I did think that the white husband was a stereotype. So maybe it's just mm-hmm. a matter of not developing the male characters. And so they come across as stereotypes. I think so. But like, I don't want to speak for like the Asian community mm-hmm. in that regard. I just think it's so funny that the reviewers did the same thing they did with the color purple. It's like, you don't talk about the men enough. And when you do, they're not nice. <laughs> oh, <laughs> How dare you write a book like this? <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. So The Joy Luck Club was adapted into a film in 1993. The screenplay was written by Amy Tan along with Ronald Bass. Bass or Bass? Bass. Bass? I would say Bass. He's not all about that Bass. <laughs> was written by Amy Tan along with Ronald Bass and it was directed by Wayne Wang. The film starred Rosalind Chow as Rose, Lauren Tom, who if you remember... Or our listeners might be familiar with the name. Lauren Tom played um, Kevin Tran's mother. 
in Supernatural. Oh, yeah. That's why she looks so familiar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Lauren Tom played Lena. Mm-hmm. Ming-Na Wen was Jing-Mei, uh, who's also known as June sometimes. She kind of goes back and forth between the two names. And Tamlin Tamita as Waverly, our subject for today. Mm-hmm. So the book's author, Amy Tan, is an American author who spent, who's most well-known for the book The Joy Love Club. But she's also written a number, a number of other books for both children and adults. If you want to learn more about her, we'll be covering her in next week's Little Rep episode for Patreon subscribers. Oh, you're not a Patreon subscriber? But for only $5 a month, you could too experience the magic that is Little Reps. That's and like you should. a coffee a month. A coffee a month. That's nothing. And you get two, at least two little reps a month. Two little reps. You get more of us just rambling. You know you love that. Everyone loves that. Everyone loves that. Um, So yeah, you should listen at the end. We'll give the website name. Also, it's on every link tree on Twitter or wherever you see us. TikTok, every place. Um, You should be a Patreon member. It's really the good thing to do for your life. Yes, we would like to hit 10 Patreon subscribers for our 50th episode. So that's that's my personal goal. I was about to say, new goal unlocked. I didn't know that was a thing, but let's do it. (laughs) That's my goal now, too. I'm stealing it from you. Yay, let's share. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the back of the 25th anniversary paperback version of the book provides us with the following description. In 1949, four Chinese women, recent immigrants to San Francisco, begin meeting to eat dim sum, play mahjong, and talk. United in shared loss and hope, they call themselves the Joy Luck Club. With wit and sensitivity, Amy Tan examines some some painful, often tender, and always deep connection between these four women and their American-born daughters. As each reveals their secret, trying to unravel the truth about her life, the strings become more tangled and more intertwined. The book's divided into four parts, and each of these four parts are divided into four sections for a total of 16 chapters. Each of the four parts is introduced with a parable that relates to the themes covered in the following chapters. Each chapter has its own narrator. Three of the mothers narrate, and all four of the daughters narrate. The fourth mother, Su Yang Wu, died just before the start of the novel. Interestingly enough, Tan has stated that she did not initially intend for this book to be a novel, and as such, each chapter should be read on its own. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Like some of these had been published as short stories Mm -hmm, in advance and in advance of that. And then, yeah, she combined them together and kind of linked them. Yeah, I like the idea of reading it all individually. Yeah. I've seen like the movie and the book. I've seen the movie and read the book and reading the book felt different. Like because in the movie, you're like, oh, how some of these people don't even interact with each other. And it's like, well, yeah, they they weren't supposed to. So I like the the idea of the book as like a standalone book of short stories. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that way. It works, but then also when you read it together, there's a unifying mm-hmm. theme, so it can yes. go either way. Yeah, no, absolutely. Two of the chapters are narrated by Waverly Jong, our subject for today's episode. But it, she appears in several of them, including the two narrated by her mother, Lindo Jong, and at least one or two that were narrated by other daughters. If you are reading along at home, Waverly's chapters are Rules of the Game, in part two, and four directions in part three. Waverly is the third child and only daughter of Tin and Lindo Jung. She was named after the street where they lived in San Francisco. Her brother's names are Winston, from the word wins ton, and Vincent from win sense. I thought that was fun. Her mom was like, well, these will be lucky names, yes. right? In Waverly's first chapter, which looks at her childhood, she talks about how she started playing chess, 
first with her brothers and then with an old man in the park near her school. She becomes a national chess champion when she's only nine years old. But she's embarrassed when her mother shows off her like a, shows her off like a trophy and seemingly takes the credit for her daughter's greatness. This, of course, leads to an angry confrontation between the two in this chapter, and Waverly eventually quits chess. In Waverly's second chapter, we now see her as an adult. She is a divorced single mother. She's worried about her mother's opinions about her white fiancé, a man named Rich. Waverly's concern comes from her mother's objections before about her first marriage to a man named Marvin Chen, her daughter Shoshana's father. But, like, I mean, she wasn't wrong. He clearly wasn't a good match if they got divorced. True. So, But, you know, Waverly in particular is not going to listen to that. No. She finally introduces Rich to her parents, but is nervous the whole time that he's doing things, quote unquote, wrong, and that her mom won't like him because of this. She eventually does tell her mom about her plans, only to find out that Lindo had already figured out a while ago and has already accepted Rich. Generally speaking, we can label Waverly as an intelligent and independent woman. But she's annoyed by what she sees as her mother's constant criticism. She's held back by her fear that she'll disappoint her mother. This came from her childhood where she and June, they became rivals because their mothers constantly compared them to one another, which is very frustrating. (laughs) So due to these comparisons and perceived judgments, Waverly has a strained relationship with her mother throughout the book. We're going to focus primarily on Waverly's relationship with her mother in this section because it's one of the ones that's mostly the most fully developed. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that, let's address a couple of other like tiny relationship dynamics. Let's start with her relationship with Jingmei or June, as she sometimes goes by. They're only a month apart in age and basically grew up together since their mothers are best friends. Their mothers would often compete with one another via their daughters, pitting their accomplishments against each other. This leads Xingmei to believe that she's disappointed her mother because she couldn't live up to Suyun's expectations. She didn't finish college. She doesn't have a good job. She's not married. You know, she's not checking off those boxes. Waverly is a competitive person, so this rivalry leads to a petty back and forth over the years. It all escalates during a New Year's dinner. First, Waverly questions Jingmei's choices constantly. At the dinner, this judgment was over Jingmei's gay hairdresser. Waverly insinuates that he he might have AIDS and that Jingmei should be worried about getting her hair cut by him. Now, I do want to note that this book was published, um, you know, in the late 80s. And there was a lot of misinformation about HIV and AIDS in the queer community at that time. But like this was very cringy to read when I was Mm -hmm. sitting here in 2023 looking at that like, yikes. The insults here go back and forth a bit when Jingmei decides to try and embarrass Waverly by asking when she'll get paid for some freelance copywriting she'd done for Waverly's tax firm over a month before. <laughs> I should tell her about CUNY and how how well they pay, how quickly they pay their freelancers. They're like, are you still breathing? You'll get it. Relax. <laughs> Waverly tells June that her writing wasn't good enough to use and that it was unsophisticated and had no style. She mocks it in a way that makes everyone, except Jingmei, laugh. Jingmei gets up to clear some plates and goes into the kitchen, trying not to cry. But the interesting thing here is that she's more upset with herself for rising to the fight. She thinks yet again that she's lost to Waverly. So let's talk now about the aunties. That's how they're referred to by the daughters, right? The 
basically the four women who are friends, mm-hmm. whether they're they're not biologically related, but they're still called their aunties, which in some communities, this is very common. You yeah. already know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Others are like, wait, are they related? No. No. <laughs> so it's like your mom's friend, your mom's really close friend is like your aunt. Right. And that's like your auntie. Like it's, the auntie is like the, like kind of like a play cousin. Like they're not really your family, but they're your family. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So we don't get a lot in terms of the auntie's perspectives on Waverly, but the one thing we do get is from Jing Mei's mother, Su Yan Wu. After the New Year's dinner where the Wu and Zhang families gather together, Su Yan tells her daughter that Waverly is disloyal and brags about what she has. She says Waverly is like a crab, always walking sideways, moving crooked. Suyun suggests to her daughter that while Waverly has style, she does not have the same kind and generous heart that June has. So when it comes to Waverly's fiance, Rich, their relationship, we can tell that like she likes to be in charge. Yeah. She prides herself on not being submissive. With Rich, she is his equal in the relationship and loves him because he sees her for who she is and accepts that. She's not willing to be invisible and he doesn't make her feel invisible at all. Rich is a bit culturally unaware when he meets Waverly's parents, but it is Waverly who is more concerned about this than he is. He is genuine with her and with her family, and that's what that's likely why Lindo accepts him. Yeah, you know, there's always the like, oh no, what is he going to say the wrong thing? Is he going to like... I mean, I'm not going to lie, I had something similar with Sean when he met my family because... Mm-hmm. I have two separate families and I was like, oh, like, don't talk about this family with that family because like it doesn't, the families don't cross Mm -hmm. over. Not that I really needed to be worried about it in the same way or anything, but like I, I get that sort of trying to impress. Yeah. And, and like through, through your partner. Yeah. Which isn't fair to the partner. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, when they're first meeting somebody, you want them to be on like their best behavior. Mm -hmm. I get that. Yeah. So let's talk about Lindo, Waverly's mother. This is the the crux of like how we see other characters perceiving her. Waverly and her mother have a strained relationship. She repeatedly makes it clear that she's not interested in taking her mother's advice. Early on, we learned that Waverly was named after the street she lived on, but this was because her mother wanted her to know that she belonged somewhere. Right? It's not just like, oh, we named you after the street because we couldn't think of something. Mm-hmm. There was there was a meaning behind it. But of course, Waverly likes to assert her independence and she makes a big deal about not wanting to stay there, you know, with her family forever. When her brother gets a chess set one year, Waverly decides to learn how to play. When someone suggests that she compete in chess tournaments, she knows that she really wants to. But because of the relationship she's had with her mother, she felt the need to manipulate her way into playing. She tells her mother that she doesn't want to do it and says, they would have American rules. If I lost, I would bring shame to my family. And these are like magic words for her mother. (laughs) So Lindo insists that she tries. But Waverly knows this. When Waverly really gets into chess, she's amazing. Like cover of Life magazine levels of amazing. They wrote an article about her chess skills. Lindo allows Waverly to skip chores around the house because she's already worked so hard on her chess. Her brothers don't find this fair, but Waverly naturally takes advantage of this. But like, so would any kid, I yeah, think. Like, I oh, do I have to wash the dishes or can I just blame it on like being tired from chess? <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> So 
So while at the market with her mother, Linda goes into super brag mode. She shows every person the magazine with her daughter's face on the cover. Anyone, anyone who passes by knows about the great Waverly, the great chess pro. Waverly is embarrassed by this and argues with her mother before running off and not returning home for hours. When she finally does return, her mother tells the rest of the family, we are not concerning this girl. This girl not have concern for us. What's happening here is that Lindo is teaching her daughter what she calls the art of invisible strength. In other words, she's preparing Waverly for the battle she'll encounter in the real world. It could be considered self-control, but it could also be seen as a way in which the two women conceal their thoughts and strategize. For Waverly, this applies to chess, but later also to her relationship with her mother. At what point, Waverly has a chess match, and she's afraid that she will lose and shame her family. Her mother tells her, it's a shame you fall down and nobody push you. In other words, don't give up before the fight. If you do, the only person you can blame is yourself. Yeah. But honestly, Mrs. John is very proud of her daughter and enjoys showing her off to everyone because she is so proud. She feels responsible for Waverly's success, while Waverly, on the other hand, thinks that she's accomplished everything on her own. But then on the flip side, when Waverly plays in the park and does really well, Lindo says that it's luck. Now, this is an attempt to be modest about things, Mm -hmm. but it angers Waverly because she knows she's worked hard to learn to play the game. Waverly's very good at chess, but she struggles in maintaining a loving relationship with her mother. She thinks of their relationship as a game of chess and says, in her hands, I always become the pawn. So what she's trying to say with this comparison is that she feels like she has little to no power when it comes to her relationship with her mother. She will be moving around the board of life forever, whichever way her mom chooses. There's a lot of tension between this mother-daughter pair. Waverly wants to be her own person, but Lindo, in one of her chapters, wonders, how can she be her own person? When did I give her up? This is an interesting view to take with one's child, but perhaps, I don't know, maybe it's a generational thing. Lindo Zhang tries to instill in her daughter a sense of both obedience and self-worth. She wants her daughter to have American circumstances and Chinese character. She definitely feels regret over losing some of her own Chinese identity by living in the U.S. for so long. But at the same time, she feels that she doesn't have the same American identity that her daughter has. And that has created this barrier between them. So how did audiences see Waverly? You know, Waverly is a character that I think readers love to hate, Mm -hmm. but she's also the character that they hate to love. Like, it's complicated. She's equal parts smart and stuck up. Her competitive streak manifests in ways that make her difficult to like sometimes. Waverly is fiercely independent, stubborn, and manipulative. And, And I have thoughts on this, but we'll get to them in the next section. She demands only the best in life. She's kind of like her mother if her mother didn't feel restrained by duty and obligation. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, she's very loving, as we see with her relationship with her daughter. Let's address a few stereotypes. Waverly being a chess prodigy plays into the stereotype of the Asian math genius. It perpetuates the idea that her race is the reason why she has a great capacity for calculation, right? She's also an accountant, if Mm -hmm. you remember. It seems as though Amy Tan is playing into some stereotypes here. The four mothers are all tiger moms to some degree. So that whole tiger mom thing. Amy Chua termed the phrase tiger mom in her book, The Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mom, written in 2011. She actually did a book signing at our bookstore. Yeah. Um, Barnes & Noble way I back in the day. I don't love that book. <laughs> no? Well, I mean, 
you have reasons. It makes sense. And Um, also, I'm not of the culture, so... mm -hmm. So basically, a tiger mom is uh, its a type of parenting style that uses harsh tactics like fear and shame to push their kids into academic and personal achievement. It sounds terrible, but effective. <sighs> but I feel like you could also have a really successful kid that like doesn't want to be around you now. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's yeah. like you're basically like creating a divide between mm-hmm. the parent and the child in that case. Like they're, they're not going to feel like they can trust you, confide in you, yeah. be their true self around There's you. There's no like softness. There's just like this harsh parent that like, yeah, you have to learn every moment of the day because it'll make a better future. But like, you just want to play kickball. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Amy Tan toys with different aspects of this model minority stereotype, but there's like little aspects of it in each of the eight characters. Like it's not, there is one model minority character. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we see some of those aspects in Waverly, but she's far from a model Mm -hmm. minority. And and I think none of these women fall under that category. Right. No, but you're right. There's probably like an aspect, like her job is like an aspect of a model minority, but but she also June, has like a kid and she's divorced. So like, yeah. and nah. June doesn't have those things, but mm-hmm. she is the submissive obedient to her mother. Yes. Right. Like, so there's different, mm-hmm. there's a little bit in everybody, but yeah. yeah. Waverly didn't appreciate how she got to where she is. Right. And, and I think maybe to some extent that this is true in her, but it's, there are reasons for it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, we'll see. We'll see. Waverly grows up in a loving home with a supportive community, but she thinks her success is something she achieved on her own. And while she has definitely put a lot of time and effort into learning chess, she didn't do it by herself. Her brother slept in the living room and did her chores so that she could spend time studying her chess. Lao Po, the old man in the park, taught her his secrets to the game. Her mother has shown her love, pride, and support, but Waverly doesn't necessarily recognize this. When her mother is bragging about her, Waverly tells her, if you want to show off, then why don't you learn how to play chess? Right. So like all these people have played a role in who she became, mm-hmm. uh, even just in connection to her chess playing, yeah. let alone the rest of her life. And she thinks she had to like overcome those people, but those people were the people who were lifting her up. Yeah. Yeah. Readers have described Waverly as selfish and self-centered and unable to recognize the help and support she had to get where she did, not just with chess, but in life. One of the issues that readers have with her is that she used her mother as a scapegoat for her own fears and insecurities. For instance, maybe she was nervous about marrying Rich and instead of facing it, she projected her worries onto her mother. One of the reasons we decided to cover this character was because your book club covered the book right Mm -hmm. and they brought up how terrible she was as a character but uh if i remember correctly though you said that they did acknowledge her mother's role in how she behaved yeah yes but like that the overall consensus was she was terrible yeah everyone hated her everyone hated waverly in my book club (laughs) it's my work book club and they were just like she's the worst like she's such a you should definitely get them to listen to this episode right i should like just put it in like our work group chat be like hey listen to this episode shout everybody out that's weird that's too many people to shout out (laughs) so as my book club came to the conclusion like and i came to the conclusion a lot of what's wrong 
quote unquote wrong with Waverly comes from her mom and the way her mm-hmm. mom treated her. So after the whole chest debacle, Linda like shuts down and it's really childish and it's cruel of her. But here is a, a quote from the book. <clears throat> I discovered that really my mother, my mother had changed. She no longer hovered over me as I practiced different chess games. She did not polish my trophies every day. It was as if she had erected an invisible wall and I was secretly groping each day to see how high and how wide it was. So Waverly would spend the rest of her life trying to get a reaction out of her mom, any reaction, just to get over that wall. So like she's acting out and she's being this way, trying to get her mom to pay attention, her mom to do anything. And yeah, that's Lindo's fault. But it's also Waverly's fault because she's an adult now and she should maybe realize that this is what she's doing. But like it's so ingrained in her. Generational trauma. There you go. There you go. Well, with your book club in mind, I decided to look up some reviews on Goodreads that mentioned Waverly. So I thought we could start with five stars and then work our way back. So this one's a five star review. Each character story felt vital and completely captivated me. Even Waverly, who I disliked when she appeared in the stories of the other women, proved to be an interesting character to follow. Like, I love this, right? Even though the reader enjoyed the book, they still picked up on what it was about Waverly that rubbed a lot of readers wrong. Definitely respect that they could appreciate the character, even though they dislike them. Yeah. You know, I mean, you don't have to cancel the whole book for Mm -hmm. one character. (laughs) Uh, Four star review. The stuff that rang most true with me was the angsty rivalry between Waverly and June, particularly June's meltdown at the piano recital, a constant paranoia of mine throughout childhood and Waverly's accusations toward her mother, a fantasy of mine growing up. This review came from an Asian-American reader. It shows us that not everyone disliked Waverly. Some readers even saw their younger selves in her. And I think that's also another thing to acknowledge is that maybe we grow and we change and and we evolve. Mm -hmm. And I think especially a lot of these reviews were from contemporary readers, not readers from 1989 or 1990, right? And so we're at a place in society where we do actually make attempts to deal with generational trauma mm-hmm. and and or we at least acknowledge that it's a thing yes so see i think that i would like waverly in the next book like now that her and her mom have been like they've kind of put down their their battle axes for each other right if there was another book i think i would like waverly in that one got you because yeah. now that she's had her growth yes like she's put aside whatever it is with her mom and now she can kind of just be and have this new relationship with her mm-hmm. i think i'd like that next chapter of waverly because this see one that. this one it's very frustrating yes. right especially <laughs> when you've grown past that relationship mm-hmm. that that she and her mother have struggled with so let's see a three-star review. Waverly Jung's tragic story of chess playing and mother-daughter psychological warfare. How could anyone not find it unforgettable? The scenes where Lindo John poisons her daughter's mind against the mink coat she previously loved. Doesn't it perfectly sum up the complicated love-hate dynamic between two damaged women, intelligent and yet conditioned by society to waste their intelligence, ske- waste their intelligence scheming against each other? <laughs> and that's what you were talking about yeah. earlier about like, lifting each other up as opposed to pitting against one another, right? Here the reader acknowledges some of the issues we'll talk about in the next section, that these women are victims of society and that Waverly's story is more complex than just a snobby Mm know-it-all, even though she very aggravatingly comes across as that. For a two-star review, now we're getting a little more specific here with the 
the Waverly, <laughs> the Waverly distaste here. Waverly was so annoying and rude to everyone. She was rude to her mother, Jing Mei, and it was super irritating to me. I thought that her mother, Lindo, was the most likable mom out of the book. I was like, she was? She was like the mother I struggled with the most. I feel like the dead one was the most likable one. <laughs> Um, this is very interesting because while some readers might sympathize with why Waverly behaved the way that she did, this reviewer does not <laughs> and also sees that the mother as a victim of her daughter. Yeah. And I will say, like, I do think that even though I don't agree with their take on Lindo, mm -hmm. the review shows that there are always at least two perspectives on any given yeah. character. And, and that's fair. And I mean, it's fiction. It's mm -hmm. allowed. I definitely wonder if this reviewer raised a Waverly. Maybe. Like, I mean, it doesn't, we don't know the ages or anything no, of no. these people. So, like, I wonder if this person is like, oh, this sounds like my daughter and she's always so rude to me, but I have no clue why. Or it could be a sibling of a Waverly. Yes. Right? Yeah, I wonder how, oh, maybe that reviewer was right. I wonder how, like, her brothers felt about her. Mm -hmm. But we don't get their perspective. No, we don't. Because it's not about them. <laughs> it's not about uh, them. Anyway, <laughs> so this one star review is. Do the kids still say chef's kiss? Because it's chef's kiss. <laughs> One star. Waverly Jung, all caps, an ungrateful snobby brat who is stupid enough to elope and have a child at 18, who hasn't raised her child properly and is very disrespectful to her mother. Also, you aren't a genius like me. You aren't fucking Albert Einstein. You know how to play chess. <laughs> yikes like to me this review isn't constructive in any way uh, and also i missed the part where she didn't raise her child properly i mean like so what the girl doesn't like crab and complains about it don't most kids complain when they don't like a food that they're forced to eat i think this review is hella constructive <laughs> i think that this person knows what she's talking about she's a genius i also think she might be confusing the movie with the book because i do remember in the movie that shoshana kind of running around screaming doing whatever she wanted but we don't see a lot of her so i i can't gauge if she's a good parent or not from like right a moment of like letting this girl run around at a party well and again she's a small child mm -hmm. like sometimes they do that unless yes. you are that tiger mom i guess i got yeah i mean sometimes i'm not saying there's always, a time there's a time there's so like I have an example so I was on the train with my husband the other day and I was getting off to go to work um and he was staying on the train because he drives them and he was going to the next stop or whatever and this guy got on with two girls who maybe were like six and eight they were young but they run towards a seat and it was like a seat next to me and this lady was getting up and the lady was getting up the two kids run they bump into this woman and they bump into me to throw themselves into the seat. And everyone's like, oh, how cute. And I'm just like, judgment face. Cause like these girls are old enough to know not to run and bump into people on the subway. And the dad was just like, shrug emoji. And it was like, no, sir, your kids, like kids to me are like dogs. Not everybody likes them. So like, not everybody should have to deal with them. Like, I wouldn't let my dog just be off leash in places where he's not supposed to be off leash. And if your kids are being crazy at eight in the morning, all you have to do is apologize on their behalf or tell them not to run onto the train like that. Like, they bumped into two people. And, like, it was like, whatever, sure, it's a kid. But, like, your kids shouldn't always be doing that. As someone who generally does not like children, I understand it from my perspective, but I'm trying to consider it from 
the perspective of parents who maybe like, like, I don't know the circumstances that led up to that event, right? Like I can't speak to that particular event. I don't know what the children are like in general, if they were just excited from something, maybe there's some like neuro neurodiversity that comes into play. Like there's a lot of factors and like, I don't know. I, I think the biggest thing you said here was that we don't see enough of Shoshana to really get an idea yes. that like yeah. to, to make this claim like. <laughs> yes, I know that claim is wild, but I'm thinking if this I'm thinking like what this woman saw was like a little kid running around screaming. Then it's like, well, your parents have never taught you not to do that. right? And in this case where Waverly says you aren't a genius like me, Mm -hmm. like she's been taught by her mother Mm -hmm. her whole life that like she is this genius at chess. And like, yeah, I think they're right. Like, you know how to play chess. You're not like solving the problems of the universe. I get that. But like, this is what she's been raised to like think about herself and how she's been taught to see herself in a way. I don't know. It's it's funny. It's a funny review, though. It is a funny review. And I think that maybe maybe Waverly let her kid run around crazy because she wasn't interested in giving her daughter all the criticism that she got as a child. Maybe that's why this dude let his kid. Yeah, maybe why this maybe this dude's parents didn't let him even walk on his own. So now he lets his kids run everywhere. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. You don't like you said, you, you get like these really small segments of people's lives and then people judge you. Did you see that? that tiktok with like the guy on the the plane was like why is that baby yelling oh my god that guy was (laughs) you're yelling he's like so is the baby so is the baby (laughs) like goodbye sir was really funny but also sir sir this baby and like this is so it's it's an age thing for me because like i know people are gonna parents who are listening are probably gonna be like oh so kim has a problem with like eight-year-olds running i do I don't have a problem with babies <laughs> crying on a plane. I feel so bad for those parents that had to deal with that because it's like your kid's crying. You're trying to like stop your kid from crying, but you're also on a plane. And this was before they took off. So people are like, oh, but like your ears pop. This is before they even took off. So if this mother or father needs to get up and rock this kid, you're not allowed to stand up on a plane mm-hmm. when it's when it's taxiing. So like you have this like two feet of space to try and like settle this kid and now you have some old ass man behind you screaming about how your kid is crying definitely (laughs) making you tense and now your kid sees that you're tense and is upset too because like babies know they can tell so like this dude he just made it worse for everyone it's like sir you don't know what the circumstances are right like and and i think that's that's the big thing with this one star review is like there's more to the picture. Absolutely. And and more that we're not even seeing as readers or viewers of the movie. Mm. Waverly took many lessons from playing chess. She's always had a way of playing people to get what she wants. But why? Well, we kind of mentioned this at the end of our last section, right? Children learn from experience and expectation. Mm-hmm. She learned early on that the things that she really wanted to do, she wouldn't be able to do unless she acted as though she didn't want to do them. For example, playing in those chess tournaments. Mm-hmm. She was also a bit, she was also expected to be a genius and to be perfect. So she did whatever she could to come across that way to her mother. It just made things easier. Yeah. Waverly seems to exist in an in-between space, right? She's torn between things that seem to be opposites. She's insecure yet prideful, independent yet seeks approval, that that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
So she especially feels in between American and Chinese culture. While there are points in her life where she rejects her Chinese culture, she also doesn't want to be or doesn't feel wholly American. So my biggest point for that is at the family dinner where Rich meets her family for the first time, Waverly is so embarrassed about Rich's lack of Chinese etiquette, but she never even prepped him on any Chinese etiquette. She lets him do everything wrong and then gets mad at him for it. He pours the soy sauce onto a dish before anyone could even serve serve themselves. He calls Waverly's parents by their first name. He takes too much food and and drinks too much wine. Waverly is horrified by this behavior, but she never expressed how important it was yeah to 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 eat in this chinese culture or like what this chinese family would expect of him mm-hmm. she could have just told him and she didn't yeah i mean it was clearly important to her and mm-hmm. she knew it was important to her parents but she didn't like walk him through this mm-hmm. but you know thank goodness they liked him anyway yeah this in-betweenness plays into the complexity of Waverly's character. She wants to have it all, even if some of those things are contradictory to one another. And this is something I think she got from her mother. So let's talk about her mother a little bit. Yes. Waverly's cultural disconnect caused problems in her relationship with her mother. But at the same time, she continues to look for her mother's approval. We could see this could be with chess, romantic relationships, or even motherhood. In order to appear strong for her daughter, Lindo doesn't share with Waverly some of the struggles she went through when she came to the United States. Waverly doesn't know the true story about the difficulties her immigrant mother faced getting into the U.S. She is unaware of the struggles that her parents went through when courting each other, not only in relation to their ethnic and language barrier. One only spoke Cantonese, the other Mandarin, but also with being Asian American immigrants in the U.S., She doesn't even know the story of how her name was chosen to express her mother's love and hopes for her daughter. But it's important to recognize that these are things that Lindo chooses not to share with Waverly. There seem to be many cross-cultural misunderstandings between mother and daughter. But due to the lack of communication about these things, Waverly just looks for a way to escape her mother instead of trying to better understand her. Waverly's embarrassed about her mother's pride for her, and this is part of what makes her want to stand alone and away from her mother's praises, which she sees as bragging. While in the Western world, bragging is seen as taboo and tacky. In the Asian culture, bragging about your kids is the standard. The back and forth between Sion and Lindo is real and common. So I like asked a couple of like Asian friends about this and then went down a rabbit hole on Reddit, and it's just like lots of stories about like, oh yeah, my mom called her friend to say that I got into this college and like all my friends found out before like I could tell them because like the Asian family network like (laughs) transported this information like bragging about your kids is like the flex like they do a lot of things I mean not like other communities don't but like a lot of things they do is like future focus so like Mm -hmm. they want to make sure that their kids you know are succeeding and when they do they brag about it a lot yeah which is is also kind of weird because on the flip side like like Linda was proud and she wanted people to know it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was also elements where she would like downplay when she tells her like, Oh, it's luck. Yeah. I guess because it's like, yes, what you're doing is great, you to, but don't feel too proud about it. I can brag about you, but yes. you shouldn't brag about yourself be because humble. then you don't, yeah, you don't want like a pompous you. You want them to be humble. But so. this sort of like pulls Waverly in two exactly. directions. Like, like how can she be both proud of her stuff, but also mm-hmm. humble about it? It's, I'm not. And again, I'll go back to it. Waverly is a mess because Linda was kind of a mess because mm-hmm. like that's a huge contradiction, right? Like you can't tell your kid to be proud of themselves, but not too proud. But like there's a fine balance there that you have to figure out. And 
their communication just kind of stopped, so they never really learned it. But Linda was proud and wanted people to know it. But Waverly could only see her mother trying to take credit for her her own hard work mm-hmm. and didn't like acknowledge that as part of her culture and her heritage. So Waverly claims that she doesn't want her mother's opinion about her fiance Rich, but at the same time, she continues to try to impress Lindo with things that Rich has done, like showing off that mink coat that he bought her. I mean, it was the 80s. <laughs> I just like the idea of a mink coat today would be like, what? <laughs> yeah, like that just sounds so gross. Like you're buying me something. But like my mother heavy has two fur coats. My that grandma are rabbit. had. Yeah. No, my grandma had a so gross looking. It was like a fox like shawl thing with like uh-huh, the head. With the head. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, we should pass these things down. And I'm like, the fuck you should. Like, I don't want that. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's like a fur like, coat. Hey, cousins. <laughs> yeah. There's like a fur coat of my grandma's like in my mom's closet now, just because what's she going to do with it? She's like, oh, we could sell this for money. I'm like, you can't. No one's buying that. Maybe. I don't, I don't know who's wearing fur anymore. Like it's one, like, I mean, take out the, the cruelty aspect it just looks so old. Like, it's, I don't know. Who it's would. very dated. Yeah. It's very dated. So her mother's reaction to the mink coat is part of what causes Waverly to hesitate in telling Lindo that she's going to be marrying Rich. Mm-hmm. But when she does eventually open up to her, as we mentioned, her mother already knows. Waverly tells her mother she knows Lindo doesn't like Rich, but Lindo insists that that's not true. Again, it's the lack of communication or the fear of how open communication would turn out keeps these women from fully understanding one another. Yeah. Lindo acknowledges that she's played a role in the fractured relationship between Waverly and herself. In the chapter Double Face, she thinks, It's my fault she's this way. I wanted my children to have the best combination, American circumstances and Chinese character. How could I know these things do not mix? And again, that kind of goes back to that, like, the, the two sides, the dual, the pulling opposite things that Waverly feels torn between. It's also Lindo's role in Waverly's chess life that pushes her daughter away from the game. So let's talk a little bit more about chess. Mm-hmm. So like, why did Waverly play chess? Well, first of all, it was interesting and it was new, but then it became something that earned her the respect and love that she was looking for from her mother. So as long as she wins... And is the best, that's when she felt like her mother was the most proud of her. Mm-hmm. But she also sees herself as a pawn to Lindo's queen. And as such, she still feels trapped as an adult. In the early days of playing chess, Waverly plays by her own rules. Maybe this is some sort of metaphor for her desire to be free-spirited. But she quickly learns that she won't be allowed if she doesn't play by the rules. So she learns the rules and becomes the best so that she feels as though she has a place. This also connects to something Lindo says to Waverly as she examines the instruction book to the game. That is, no one explains the rules to immigrants. They have to learn for themselves. Actually, I really like that line because yeah. it's like really, really true. Yeah, it, it's that's a great like psh, mm-hmm. moment. <laughs> so Waverly learns the rules. If no one will teach her, she'll figure them out on her, by herself. But it looks like she and her mother are playing by two different sets of rules, which affects how they behave with one another. It seems as though Waverly's success at chess forces her into maturity when she's still a child, at least in some ways. In other ways, such as socially, she's still immature even later in life. So she has to give up on her childhood games and isolate herself from her former playmates. And Waverly enjoyed being an outsider. She enjoyed being different from the others. But chess was almost a matter of conformity for her. 
Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Rich and Shoshana, her fiancé and her daughter from her first marriage. First off, Waverly loves her daughter Shoshana unconditionally. Even though we get a story about how she went to the wrong kind of abortion clinic and ended up keeping the baby, she's grateful for that decision. And she has a new fiancé, Rich, right? But she holds on to some insecurities about her past relationship with Marvin. She has what might be considered a cultural guilt because Rich is a white man and Waverly is afraid of losing her ties to her Chinese heritage. Waverly imagines her mother dislikes Rich because of his lack of understanding of Chinese cultural norms and because she disliked the previous husband. Her mom actually likes Rich, but the experience has suggested that she might not. Waverly's insecure. She's afraid of disappointing her mother. She feels as though she has to live up to some ideal that she knows she'll never achieve. She also fears criticism from her mother. Waverly thinks that her mother will criticize Rich over and over like she did with Marvin. Waverly is afraid of her mother finding flaws in Rich. She feels less powerful and inferior to her mother. Her mother always makes her feel like nothing, so she needs to feel better than everyone else. I think this is a big part of why she tries to make herself feel bigger than June, Mm -hmm. right? She's insecure and she has no control or power in her own family. So she finds someone that she can feel more powerful than. I'm not saying it's right. It just kind of that it makes a little sense. Like no one wants to be on the bottom. Yeah. And so she's like, well, this is a person I think I can push down below me. Mm -hmm. Waverly is haunted by a lingering fear that her mother disapproves of her and all that she does. And while we might not feel sympathetic to Waverly at all times, her chapters reveal how much power her mother still holds over her, even into her adult life. There's even a point in which Waverly acknowledges that the problems she has with her relationship with her mother are, at least in part, her fault as well. And when she realizes that Lindo does not dislike Rich, she recognizes that her mother has not given up on her. And I think that ties into what you were saying before of like, mm. I would like the sequel of like what happens in their relationship yeah, next. I would, I would like it too. Because once she realizes like, oh, wait, my mom doesn't hate me and doesn't hate all the choices that I'm making. Now I can relax and just like work on liking my mom, like learning how to be and a daughter myself. at this point. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that a follow-up on Waverly. Amy, what are you doing? Write this book. <laughs> we'll get to what she's doing. In, in our, our, little, bi- in our little reputations. <laughs> so Waverly must overcome the personal anger, the resentment, the guilt, and the fear that she feels towards her mother. And like, like we said before, I would love to see that chapter. Yes. Like she's starting over as a different person. Now kind of forgiving her mother or like at least understanding what their problems are. So yeah, now they can move forward. Exactly. All right. Final thoughts, takeaways. So I still think that we really is a jerk for how she cheats Jingmei. Like I don't think that it's fair or reasonable or responsible to take out your bad relationship with your mother on others. Mm-hmm. I do think that Wei really was resentful of the relationship that Jingmei and her mom had. Jingmei was terrible at piano and her mom still loved her anyway. <laughs> she didn't have to jump through any of the hoops that Waverly's mother made her jump through. Yeah. But you know whose fault that's not? Jingmei's. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, I, like I said, a million times. I would love to revisit like the mother-daughter 2.0 version. It feels like they both have forgiven each other and have kind of agreed to start over again like without the game of chess. <laughs> Just being. The chess of life and the chess of chess. <laughs> Do you know how to play chess? Uh, I know the basic rules, but mm-hmm. I don't know how to play it in a way that's like strategic. Okay. You know, like 
I can move all the pieces appropriately. I know what oh. direction they go and all of that. But I do not. I do not know like what's the best way to do it to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I have never played chess in my life. So like, I, not always, but sometimes I, I did. I felt for Waverly like, yeah, she could definitely be a jerk sometimes, especially as you said to Jing Mei. But I could see how sh- how lost she felt, mm. right? She had these expectations of perfection thrust on her and she was torn between meeting them and being independent. And I think she felt like she had to be both. Mm. Like, was it the best approach? No, or probably not. Uh, almost definitely not. But she didn't seem to have anyone that she felt able to confide in. She was pitted against her friend from a young age and she simultaneously wanted her mother's approval and to be her own person. She didn't have the tools to deal with this. I I think it's also important to remember that the book was written in the 1980s and the childhood scenes would have been set in like the 1960s, I think. So when we think about how she didn't have the tools to cope i guess it makes sense mm-hmm. like yeah. you know we talked about this in other episodes the time and the place and the yeah. setting you just like internalize everything because like what else can you do like she wasn't gonna go see a therapist right exactly <laughs> i mean even now that there's like a lot of stigma still yeah. uh, about seeing therapists but if you haven't um I was like, but if you need to see a therapist, but if you need to see a therapist, you should absolutely see one. This is where we would insert like our ad for like therapy.com. Oh no, whatever. Definitely not. I like, I would reject a, a better help, uh, ad like the way you wouldn't do hello fresh. Hello fresh. I would not do this. It depends on what that check looks like. It depends (laughs) on what that check looks like. This is why I'm poor because I won't sell out. (laughs) (laughs) let your morals keep you poor yes i'm trying to no i'm not it depends it depends on i don't know enough about better i know better help isn't great um like their doctors sometimes aren't the best yeah um but i don't know how much they pay you to say that they are (laughs) all right um so we said and my hate with HelloFresh is because like I think that it's wasteful, but for some people, and like, I, I very much live in my own bubble of like judgment, right? Like that's my problem. But for some people, maybe that's the only way they can make dinner. If they have like exactly all the steps laid out for them and they're not worried about leftovers, this is how they get through their day. And they're like, okay, I have the capacity to, to make food. What do I make? This HelloFresh box has all the steps. Yeah. I need to give people like the <laughs> kindness. Not everybody's is ready to just learn how to make 19 things with like the leg of celery they have it is not called the leg of celery <laughs> stock a stock of celery yeah so like there anyway. are things for certain people in yes. certain spaces yes. so like i will stop hating on HelloFresh. if you use it enjoy it we still need a transition okay so so let's move on oh. to some resources and references there you go so what the whole thing's been about the joy luck club by amy tan um you should read it i have a copy you could borrow it's if you pretty live in quick. new york city it's really quick yeah and like the, every library has it because i had to listen to like a audiobook for my book club. yeah but the audiobook version that the brooklyn public library has is only the abridged version yeah it didn't have the, the whole queen's thing. public library had the full one the abridged one is like three hours I was like this doesn't seem right because the regular one is nine what is the what's happening here which yeah. i what is that? What's what's with the bridge books? What's that about? No, cancel them. Somebody who has a degree in library science 
or just knows more than me, tell me what the fuck a bridge book's about. Because why are you cutting things out? It doesn't make sense it to doesn't. me. I mean, granted, as we mentioned, this could be read as short stories. So maybe if they focused only on like one mother-daughter pairing or something. Guess, or maybe they only had the Jingmei chapters. Let or... me decide. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, agreed. They just like cut this book to pieces and was like, here you go. Like, yeah, I don't get it. Because it was, like I said, three hours versus nine hours. I was like, I feel like you're missing a lot. And if you don't want the whole book, there are other options. Yeah. Like... Watching the movie. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> the other options are the film. So the Joy Luck Club is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Watch it there. Uh, there were a couple articles I found out. Um, these were these were mentioned. Um, the, the next two sources that I'm going to share, they're actually like JSTOR references. So I'm not sure the public access on them. Mm. But uh, there's one called American Rules and Chinese Faces, The Games of Amy Tan's The Joy Luck Club by Tara Fickle. And only two kinds of daughters, intermonologue dialogosity in The Joy Luck Club by Stephen Soros. And a summary and analysis of Amy Tang's Rules of the Game by Oliver Terrell. So let us know what you thought of this episode. Do you have anything that you want to add to the conversation that we might have left out? Or do you have suggestions for women we should cover in the future? Yeah. What are your opinions on Waverly Chong? <laughs> Don't ask them like that. They're not going to want to listen. We do want to know your opinion. No, we do. Like, no, seriously. What are your opinions on this character that you we said covered? it very judging. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> Follow the podcast on Twitter at Big Rep Pod and Instagram and TikTok at Big Reputations Pod. Send us a message or email us at BigReputationsPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends, your family, or your mom's lifelong group of friends. Subscribe and leave a five-star review. Check out our Big Reputations merch. The link is in the show notes as well as in our Linktree link found on all our social media platforms. Be sure to take a picture and tag us when you make a purchase. And remember, we have a Patreon now. Patreon.com slash Big Reputations Pod. Or just check out the link in our Linktree. Whether you pledge 2 or $5, you'll get a shout out in our episodes. And if you choose the $5 level, you'll have exclusive access to our Little Reputations episodes. These are short mini-episodes about amazing women throughout history. Next up, as we mentioned earlier, Amy Tan. Stick around after the episode where we'll share a teaser from that Little Rep episode. All right, let's wrap up this episode. Kim, what quote do you have for us this week? So I have one from Waverly. Having watched the older children open their gifts, I already knew that the big gifts were not necessarily the nice ones. I think that's, I like it. L- little, sometimes, you know, unexpected things come in like smaller packages. Like don't always look for like the big flashy thing. Yeah. And as always, believe women. In her adult life, before she turned her writing, she actually worked a bunch of odd jobs, including switchboard operator bartender and pizza maker and i just love the idea of a switchboard operator because like is that even a thing now like like john wick (laughs) i've never watched john wick sean goes to see those without me (laughs) every week (laughs) are you going to just disappoint me with a movie you haven't seen i just don't watch movies a lot i just like (sighs) i watch tv shows